Perpetua Charles works as a book publicist in Boston, Massachusetts. She loves the Lord, TV, Disney princesses, books, 90s and aughts teen pop, and the color pink. Say hi to her on Instagram at Princess Perpetua. That's P-E-R-P-E-T-U-A-A. This is Echoes and Hope with Perpetua Charles. I was baptized Catholic as a wee wee tot. I think like I was three months old, um, so very small. And my faith journey was heavily influenced by the Haitian charismatic tradition. I grew up in a suburb just outside of Boston, and there's a pretty robust Haitian population in the area and a robust Haitian Catholic community. There are a number of parishes in the area that have Haitian communities or that are basically run by the Haitians. So my mom would hold prayers at our house. We would go to prayers at other people's homes. We would visit parishes. Church was very Black to me as a kid. When I started going to school and my mom started inserting me into service, as a young Catholic kid, like as an altar server and as an adorable cantor in like middle school and stuff. (laughs) Then I like started kind of splitting time between being in a black immigrant Catholic experience and a suburban white Catholic experience. And then I moved to Florida when I started high school and there was like the Catholicism with like a Southern Christian flair. There's like a very different energy to Catholicism in the South and Florida, even though it it is a lot of question marks. Florida is also the South among other things. And it was very similar actually to my experience of being in the immigrant community than I ever thought it would be. So my faith has been influenced by all those things. I moved back to Boston So now in my 20s, I have like had all of those together, all those experiences together to influence really kind of the the awakening I've had to being a Black Catholic. And like I've just started interrogating a lot of things that I've taken for granted in my faith practice and in the churches that I would go to and asked other people to do the same kind of interrogating to like ask themselves who they're thinking about when they're praying and who, who they're including when they're cre- like forming ministries and all that. So now this is like the anti-racist branch of like my faith life, <laughs> I guess. One of my favorite things is praying in community. I'm like sort of allergic <laughs> to praying by myself and God convicts me every other day, like every 12 hours about it. So in a lot of ways, the pandemic has been really hard for me. I was like <sighs> crying during the like consecration, like every week for like the first like four weeks because there's something so, I, it feels very tangible to me, the experience of like being in the presence of other people wherever they are on their faith journeys and faith walks, like I'm certainly not a perfect walker, but it's awesome to share that, to share that celebration, like just the universality of the church. And like, it's never more clear to me than when we're celebrating mass 
it's like my favorite thing to just be able to pop into a church anywhere in the world and know that I'm going to be able to give and receive from this mass pretty much the same, but like with additional gifts and surprises based on the community that I'm in. That's like just my absolute favorite thing. And the mass is probably one of my favorite things. I love the saints. So first of all, <laughs> but it was like a game show that was like all about the saints. <laughs> I would at least make it to intermediate level. Um, I would work really hard to get to expert level and walk away with like all the indulgences or something. And I think that I have a particular attraction to saints who like struggled with things that I do and who gave themselves over so much in trust to the Lord that they like experienced like rapturous things like on earth. So like St. Faustina and St. Teresa of Avila, St. Therese who we celebrated yesterday, Padre Pio, the little darlings at Fatima, like just all those guys. Why well, I remember reading, I think it was Santa Teresa of Avila who was levitating while receiving the Eucharist. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a new one. It's the miraculousness of that experience that like, you can't do that. You can't have that kind of dimension transcending experience unless you are entirely abandoned to God. And that is like my lifelong struggle. My experience with being in the charismatic worship community as a kid was that the air was like charged with the potential for miracle at all times. It always was so stark, the difference for me between adoration in a white Catholic setting versus in a black Catholic one or like a Haitian one, because procession of the Blessed Sacrament was the norm. It was not like reserved for a specific Friday of the month or something. It was like every three-hour worship session every Friday is comprised of the following things, including procession of the sacrament. And that's the kind of like reckless abandon that came from, you know, years of practice and from being desperate, you know, being in a situation that is not as privileged likely as their white counterparts. That's like people would just really throw all their needs, their physical bodies at the monstrances passing by, pictures of loved ones. Like people would come with Ziploc bags and just like throw it <laughs> at the monstrance. Like, Lord, help every single person who is pictured in the Ziploc bag. And people would just cry immediately, like experience just mounds of gifts of the Holy Spirit. Like I just felt like there was just a giant bird descending on the entire building. And in like those individual saints' lives, that's the parallel to me. And I won't want, <laughs> I miss being in community so that I can just like feel that power. It's hard. It's hard, like, especially when you're isolated to like tap into that. It's there because like we are human, but like God made us. So divinity resides within us and we only need to reach inside and access it and experience it. I feel it so acutely. I feel it right now, like very acutely. And hopefully the life is long and I have a chance to like even just get a glimpse of that. There are obviously ways in my life that I can point to where the spirit was just like absolutely moving and like guiding the whole thing. 
but it takes a very, very special kind of abandonment to have certain mysteries unlocked for you on this side of the earth. Goals. Honestly, I think I feel the tension more often than not because I was a kid when I was really like embedded in that Black Coffee culture and then, I don't know, learned to speak, if you will. Like I was confirmed like in the trenches of white Catholicism um, and that's like where I got a lot of the language that I use. I think that my like inner spirituality is still very, like if you were to cut me open, like Haitian black Catholic would pour out. But the way that that presents itself as a challenge inside of a black Catholic space is that I just feel like I've been away a very long time. And it's a dual world. I kind of feel like I have one foot in one place and a foot in the other. There are things that I feel are missing when I'm in the Haitian Black Catholic space. And then there are things that I feel are missing when I'm in a white English speaking Catholic space. Interestingly, my like fantasy brain will tell me that um, there's gonna be like a magical merging of the two if I find a like black English speaking <laughs> uh, community to be in because then it's like, it is to me, the like ideal best of both worlds scenario. Sometimes I, you know, I have to talk myself down from that because like, even though that might meet some needs, it's not gonna meet all of them. <laughs> and I'll have to just like really reconcile with the unique experience that I've had and work with God to find out like how he wants me to use that in the spaces that I do occupy. Sometimes it feels like I stick out like a sore thumb, like in a space of black Christian friends. If we are talking about our faith, there's like a certain flair or flavor that I'll bring to the conversation that like will raise some eyebrows. And I even, you know, I experience like my own hesitation with like saying certain <laughs> words, <laughs> rosary, <laughs> Mary. <laughs> You know, because like I could have that conversation or like I could like defend those aspects of the church. I'm just like, that's oh, just, it feels, I'm so tired. I'm like already tired before it even begins. And like maybe there's a way that I can express this thought that I have, circumventing that a little bit. Well, sometimes that will uh, present itself as a challenge. And other times, like I'm in mostly white spaces a lot of the time in my life right now. And I think it does surprise people that I am outwardly Catholic. Like my entire Instagram story is just like, oh no, there was a worm on my floor. Oh my gosh, I love the rosary. Like the content is pretty like starkly one thing or the other. And yeah, I think that that surprises my white friends, especially like I'm in a lot of like progressive ideology like spaces. And so there's like some dissonance there mentally, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I consider myself to be an edgy outsider <laughs> a little bit. And like by edgy, I mean like, I don't know, flowers have edges, right? Like everything has an edge. <laughs> I feel like I express myself in a way that's rather unique and so I break like stereotypes that might reside in somebody's mind about how a black woman would be. I'm 
pretty introverted, pretty quiet, don't really feel like talking unless there's something interesting going on. And even then, if the vibes aren't right, I'm gonna keep it to myself. But if I'm in the right space, I am all over the place. If I take that description and apply it to church, sometimes I'm just there to to influence with like my quiet reservation or like just like quiet adoration. And I have had people come up to me after I've like finally said a word and they have expressed some sort of like interest or awe or admiration in my like quietness or what they are reading as like demure or something. And it's not necessarily that I'm like trying to give that off or anything. I definitely like don't walk into church like trying to perform most of the time like I take the quote about the church being a field hospital like to heart all the time I'm like help everything's broken (laughs) so if somebody is getting some sort of vibe off of me then that is the spirit like literally resting on my shoulder and I give thanks to that the things that like really move my heart are adoration and prayer through song and whatever parish that I have been a member of in my life, I have always tried to make that a centerpiece for anyone, but particularly the people who are like in the similar walk of life as me. So when I was a teen in Florida and I like brought my younger brother along for the ride, we're both musicians, like he plays piano and I sing and we would lead worship nights and we would rope other people into it. and. It's just my favorite. And I have been like around adoration since I was a kid. And so being able to like take the aspects of adoration that spoke the most to me, like singing and praising while the Eucharist is exposed and not only engaging in quiet prayer. I love it. <laughs> and I I do that now, like I lead a monthly worship night, which has taken on a different form because now we're kind of doing it virtually and opportunities for exposing the sacrament over Zoom have dwindled over the many months. But that was something that I was also doing like through the young adult group at my church. And I envision myself continuing to do it well long after I'm a young adult. <laughs> I would remind the church that there is no one way to be church and to do church, especially to celebrate the Mass specifically. I'm like engaged in like the anti-racist conversations at my parish right now. And we have made reference to like, you know, that one time that like a gospel choir came to our parish. I just think like, it doesn't have to be an afterthought or something in the periphery. Another culture's experience with Christ because if Rome was in Israel, it would just be a different story. Like we would just have a different way of experiencing our faith. The church was not meant to stay in one place and then for that to be the only way it was, it was meant to spread and that's what it did. And it became a natural part of many regions' cultures. And that's exactly, as far as I see it, what God wanted. And so in places where there are many faces from many places, those faces and places should be reflected in the local parish. I just tell everybody not to be afraid of that. There's more to gain, way more to gain spiritually and personally than there is to lose 